welcome to Game Off Podcast with your host, Andrew, and my co-host, Hey, Arcadia, Brent, also. We're going to be talking about our two showcase games, Shadowbringers and Earth Defense Force 5. I already forgot the name of the game I was going to talk about. <laughs> it's your game, <laughs> well, Andy. Jesus. It's, <laughs> title's not important. That's the least important part of the game. <laughs> but we'll get there. Uh, we're also going to be doing more of our fireside chat, getting to know you thing that we've been doing lately. Um, but before that, in lieu of news, we are going to try something where we're just going to give you a completely unwanted, unwarranted, uncalled for spicy take. <laughs> because I, I had one and I want to get it out there. So if you're ready for it, Brent, I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll uh, start by saying just that uh, it was a pretty slow news week. Uh, I think everyone was just talking about the, the Fortnite Grand Finals, so and we don't really want to talk about those. And just everyone yeah. else covering it, so, so fuck it, we're doing our thing, own thing. Yeah, there was that whole thing with Bethesda and the Doom re-releases on, on Switch, but there's nothing yeah. to say about that that hasn't yeah, already been said. Just... Yeah, so, so uh, <laughs> instead... I want to present you with my spicy take of this week. I'm just fucking done with cutscenes and games. <laughs> Almost entirely wholesale. I'm just done with them. I'm sick of them. In all games? In like 90%. Or maybe I'll rephrase. So infrequently do I play a game that does cutscenes correctly. Or does cutscenes in a way that isn't horrendously invasive. So... And I'm going to, maybe I should give some more context. Playing like Bloodstained, which was my game from last week, there are just these moments of two characters standing there exchanging dialogue back and forth that you have to click through. That's not good immersive storytelling. That's not engaging storytelling. That's just me reading. Mm -hmm. That's a boring cutscene. <laughs> so Any... It's a picture book, basically. Exactly. It's a picture book. The, the beginning of Metal Gear Solid 5 is essentially like a two-hour-long cutscene interspersed with a little bit of action. <laughs> and in playing, I've been replaying the uh, Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, to get myself psyched up for the Wolfenstein, whatever the other one is called, not Cyber Pilot, the other new one. Youngblood. Wolfenstein, I at the very least appreciate that its cutscenes happen in between levels you arrive at a, you know, you end a level and then there's a story cutscene and then the next level begins mm. but I, i'm just playing so many games where cutscenes come out of nowhere you have no there's no indication that you can pause the cutscene which is the most frustrating thing i've ever dealt with trying to figure out okay if i hit space or enter is it gonna oh no it skipped the entire cutscene now i'm just someplace else with no context no way to replay it <laughs> There's no indication of how long the cutscene is going to be. So you're sitting there trying to figure out if you can, like, should I try to pause now and go pee? Do I come back? Is this going to be my evening of gaming is going to be watching this cutscene? Because I'm trying to restart Grandia and that opening cinematics like five hours long. <laughs> like, it's just there's so few games that do them correctly. And so many games that just treat them as like we couldn't figure out how to tell our story organically. Here's an info dump. It's like when you've got, and not yeah. to keep ranting, but when you watch like a shitty sci-fi movie where the first two minutes of it are just either uh, 
text on screen explaining the premise or a, a voiceover telling you the premise of the movie while you're watching stock footage of like the apocalypse. <laughs> and it's like, oh, the year is 2186 and bugs came out of the sky and ate everyone but me and my sister. And now we're taking back the New Orleans area with guns or whatever <laughs> so the plot. So that they can repopulate the earth with, with yeah. the sister? <laughs> it's, it's, I don't like the story. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's that's, that's when humanity ends they just gotta yeah die. That, that's a game that shouldn't have existed it's that level of just we didn't want to actually tell you the story or the premise of this game in any kind of organic way but we wanted the game to have a story so just here it is for two minutes that's my take <laughs> so when, when you told when you mentioned this earlier as a topic i I've recently played two games where at the end of both of them, I thought, fuck, did the cutscenes in those games like just suck ass? <laughs> so when he, when he first said it, I was well, like, God oh, damn, this is going to quickly turn into a circle jerk. So I'm going to I'm going to try and keep it in perspective because there are some games where I've just been completely wowed in the last year and a half by, you know, their their cinematic prowess and. So I'll throw out the obvious ones, God of War and Red Dead Redemption. Both of those games wouldn't be half as good without the quality cutscenes. Um, both of those games really knew how to tell, tell a visual story. Um, and they weren't relying, they weren't, they, they weren't overly reliant on cutscenes. And they also knew when to use cutscenes. It wasn't just, just, oh, hey, you found a new zone. Like you, you're sitting through a cutscene now. Like this is. This is just the formula that we're riding, et cetera, et cetera. It's like in God of War, the, the cutscenes were always like a perfectly paced time. They weren't always like right after bosses or something. Sometimes you'd be allowed to like ruminate for a minute and be like, holy shit, like I just took down this dope ass dragon. Um, so like and both of those games are just visually ruddy, stunning and tell very good stories. And to your point, I think those games are sort of the outliers nowadays nowadays like the the, the 10, 10 out of nine uh, out of a hundred percent um the two most recent games i played shadowbringers and rage 2 are both guilty of what you were just complaining about which is or at least what you're complaining about with bloodstained where i just sort of trapped into this expositional period with no real <laughs> like visual definition no real aim other than to just convey story and see all of the characters on screen at once. Um, Shadowbringers did this a lot. You could at least like skip the dialogue quickly, but it was the same thing. You just click through the dialogue. Um, I'm not really talking about this now because I won't be talking about it later in the showcase, but there, there got to a point, a lot of points in the story where it's like, oh, this cutscene is not voiced over, so I know it's not important, so <laughs> I'm just going to click through it really really fast and i really like the story for shadowbringers but there's so many cutscenes in that game that there's just just it's just dead air like 75 percent of the time just somebody runs out of the screen like oh no something went wrong let's go deal with it like except just that takes like 45 lines of dialogue to get to that point and that happens you know like 45 times in each zone um so it gets really tiring <laughs> You know, actually, right. on on that topic, and to to raise the heat level on this, I want to bring Half Life Two into this mix and talk about why it's garbage. And, oh, <laughs> and not uh -huh. not 
not all of it, just specific moments I can remember in Half-Life 2. Because I remember <laughs> I played it when it first came out and I enjoyed it. It was fine. Cool gravity gun, whatever. And I remember in the years following people talking about what an amazing feat of organic in-game storytelling it was. And I went back and replayed it a couple of years ago. And I can remember moments in that game where they just lock you in a room with characters who explain things. <laughs> and, and I remember seeing people online joking about like, oh, yeah, during that, I used to like jump around in all the boxes and see if I could jump on top of people's heads. That's not yeah, good storytelling. That's, that's not good then. storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> If, if I'm watching a movie and for five minutes of the plot, I leave the room to go do something else, that's not a captivating movie. <laughs> and if they lock the doors, that's not in a captivating movie either. Yeah, you just the, stop me from leaving. Yeah. Imagine the, the party that was locked up in like a movie, just leaping around everywhere. It's like, I hate talking to you. Why? When will this end? Which that was me. Just, I don't care. I don't compelling. care. I don't care. I want to shoot things. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, it's because it's, it's not a dialogue at that point either. It's a monologue. You're being talked at while being trapped in a room. Like, <laughs> yeah. Fucking like, exciting. Like serial killers do in cop shows. Exactly. Lock you in a room and then talk at you until the hero comes. Clearly, yeah, I'm but... not the hero because I'm the one trapped in here. <laughs> That's how you know. Yeah. yeah. No, R Rage 2 is guilty of the exact same thing. Yeah, I mean, jump ahead, what, 15 years? Rage 2 does that before you can even get into the open world. Like you're still in the tutorial oh God. and it no. just locks you in a room with a hologram, <laughs> a hologram of a dead person. And it just oh talks God. at you for five minutes and you're, you're, you're free to walk around. Like, but there's, you can't go <laughs> anywhere. There's nothing interesting to see or do while it's talking at you. It's, it could easily been like, Hey, you found this recording, like a hollow tape and in from fallout and walked away while listening to it. No, you have to sit and watch this two-dimensional hologram, or not watch it. You can sit, turn and look at the storage lockers, or the useless computers, or whatever you wanted. You know, that's that's true freedom right there. That holotape thing that you describe is like that happy medium between locking me in a room and talking at me, and just telling me, hey, your codex has been updated, go read it. Yeah. Like, you let me in on bits of the story, but also I get to keep playing the game that you made that I paid for that I want to play. Yeah. Oh, man, can can we bitch about codexes now? Because oh, please. I think that those are the laziest fucking things <laughs> ever. When <laughs> Anytime a developer tells me there's so much lore, if you want to read it, it's like, no, <laughs> tell me a fucking story, you bitch. Like, I'm not looking to read about every single person's backstory in a, a log deep in my menus. I want to experience this. I don't care about this dude's mother's fate and like how he became the way he became. I want to experience like this dude's evolution, like his character development on like, of course, backstory is great, but that's. Like, I'm playing an immersive experience that you're then telling me <laughs> to get the most out of this immersive experience. Pause your game, go deep into the menus, and pop pop a squat for 45 minutes as you read through all the exclamation pointed uh, fucking tabs. The 3,000 tabs. I'm explicitly thinking about Anthem right now, too. <laughs> and how infuriated I was at how that game just refused to do anything for me. Just, just do anything. Anyway. Well, and when you have a codex like that, all the lore is given the same weight. There's no, like, 
this is an important <laughs> bit of lore, which is why this we is mega lore. Right. And it's like it's like if you tried to get a feeling for Star Wars by just reading the Wikipedia and you've got <laughs> like <laughs> characters that have 50 minutes of screen time and two minutes yeah. of screen time both have pages. So they're equally important. <laughs> FN2199 sounds like a really important character. <laughs> yeah, Watches like, episode seven. Oh, he's in it for two seconds. I see. It's just, it's so frustrating. And you're right. It's just, it, it feels and comes off lazy. And I know people spend the time to write all this lore up. So clearly yeah. work went into it, but it's just in the most, in the most anti-game way possible yeah yeah i I really love lauring games but you you have to meet me halfway with the whole thing you really (laughs) have to put in the work to make me interested in a universe before saying it it, this is you're literally just telling me it's an interesting universe and i'm like okay either okay i believe (laughs) you or i don't give a shit i'm just gonna play through the game and never play it again um, it's like, that's how I feel about people that always told me that Halo had really interesting lore. It's like, <laughs> I, I play, <laughs> this is going to be a spicy take too. Oh, I, 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 I've had the conversation you're about to describe a dozen times. So I'm excited yeah. to hear your take. I, I've played every Halo game and people tell me that there's this rich universe there and I still think they're lying to me. They tell me <laughs> that there's dozens of books written on the lore and the franchise and I still think that this is a big ruse to, just to trick me. Because if you play through those games, they're telling a pretty linear, not super interesting story. It's just like your cut cut and dry sci-fi story, alien invasion. Uh, you know, we didn't understand each other, so we fought each other, etc., etc. There's also aliens. Like, I've read this sci-fi book. I could probably name three sci-fi books off the top of my head that have the exact same fucking story. Halo didn't do anything to compel me to look deeper into what is supposed to be a very rich, uh, very rich lore and story that's somehow caught in the wind somewhere. And that's the that's the exact thing that I'm complaining about. Is like the what? Why developers give me enough <laughs> to make me want to read more? That is, no, that is, is all on codexes. <laughs> or whatever they call them in Halo. They were like uh, terminals. Fucking terminals, terminals, data banks, data tapes, yeah. journals, yeah. notes, data log. Uh, it, it's all of them. And, and yeah. with that, I think if you listen very closely, you can hear the last listener of this turning it off. <laughs> I fucking love Halo, and I should say that. But when people tell me that the best thing about Halo is the story is when I get really mad. So I, I, I guess I'm, I'm venting against maybe probably also 10 people, but still. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is, this isn't a general thing. It's when people tell me, Steve, that Halo is such a great game, Steve. <laughs> oh, anyway. Send all your hate mail to gameoffpodcast. At, at gmail.com or at yeah. gameoffpodcast on any possible social media platform except for our instagram that got blocked for some reason i don't know yeah i don't i mean i posted a lot of pictures of my feet on there before we got this (laughs) thing kicked off i didn't think they were that upsetting to look at but (laughs) anyway all right does that does that cover our, our spicy takes about bad storytelling in games oh yeah no i i feel like that's uh 
I feel like I've had just a mouthful of hot wings here. I feel very spicy <laughs> right now. <laughs> hey, it's National Wing Day. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, cool. I ate one frozen nugget out of, or one chilled nugget out of my refrigerator, and I am doing good. I had a uh, vegan chicken patty for dinner. So, really, just ah, in keeping it, with the spirit. Yeah, it was pretty good. It's a, a corn, Q U O R N or Q O R N. They they've got spicy chicken patties now. They're 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 good and spicy. Oh, good shot. Not as spicy was... as that take, but they're good. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Let's let's move, move on. on. If anyone out there is still looking to learn more about us, we're going to start our, our fireside chat, getting to know you segment. Uh, I don't remember who read first last week, Brent. Why don't uh, Why don't you go first? Okay. Oh, and uh, the premise of, the premise of this before you jump into your thing, uh, our producer Delta has given us each a question that we haven't seen up until now. Um, just a thing that we're gonna, much like we just did, share our thoughts on, so that you can get to know us a little better and get to know where we're coming from as commentators and pundits in the digital world. You know, there's one person out there that's gonna think that we are just churning through producers. <laughs> Just like these people must be fucking just train wrecks. Like, can, why can no one work with them? No, this week's guest producer is Delta Burke from Designing Women. <laughs> you remember her? She was great. Sure. Sure. All right. Andy. That's, yes. That's so nice. She, oh, what the hell is this? <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she had a nice formatted table and then she was just like, yeah, fuck that. And just throwed it below the table. Uh, anyway. All right. Um, just churned through another one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fired. Andy. Yes. What is your take on fantasy leagues? Oh, I know so little about them. I've never been in a fantasy league. I know that there's that show called the league, which I've never watched. I think it's about fantasy leagues. It's actually pretty funny. That's, that's what Very I've heard. It, it's got that. Jason Mantzoukas is his name, maybe? Uh, I think he made that up. Uh, <laughs> you know. It's, it, it's got that guy those. that was in Parks and Rec that made colognes. Oh, yeah. He's he's very good in this show. I think I his name might his be name. Jason Mantzoukas. His name's Mantis. Rafi in the show and A+. Uh, so I've never seen that. Uh, I don't really know much about fa- I've always been slightly curious about them, but every time I tried to learn about them from someone, they all just seemed exasperated to try and explain it to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was, did, did I ever tell you about, I think I've told you about setback, right? My story with setback. I don't think I've told card it game? on here. Yes. The card game. I, uh, I as a kid, you told me the story. Oh, as a kid, when I was in Boy Scouts, we'd go off to Boy Scout camp for a week every summer, and all the adults and, and older kids would get together and play setback, and they'd be playing setback, uh, you know, some picnic tables over by the fire, <laughs> and I always wanted to play, I didn't know how to play setback, and none of them would teach me how to play setback. They're all like, oh, it takes too <laughs> long, it takes too long, <laughs> if you learn how to play setback, you can come back and play with us, but, you know, it just takes too long, and Jeez. I never learned how to play setback, <laughs> never learned, couldn't figure it out, <laughs> and so... Oh. See, being being raised by French Canadians, I was taught at a very young age, maybe six, uh, how to gamble while playing setback. So, <laughs> I, so I, I they, they were very eager to take my money. 
I should have taken taking you or taking you in or had you take me in and teach me how to play setback because yeah, uh, yeah. I never learned. And the few times I've talked to people who are in fantasy leagues, they had this similar thing of like, well, look, go read up on fantasy leagues, then come back and you can talk about maybe joining our league. So that's so dumb. So the, la- the last two leagues that I played in, two people that had no idea what they were doing won both years. Don't, I don't know where <laughs> these people get off saying that it's not it's not hard if you sit in the draft you can sort of like do you know generally like lineups and like let's let's say football for the sake of argument so i think that's the most popular one okay so this may be my second failing this may be the second you you, you don't know all right so i think part of it is having a slight understanding of the sport that goes a long way now i've i've played nfl blitz is it like that uh, no, that's probably the worst representation of football. <laughs> <laughs> While uh, okay, uh, fun, fair. it does not do much service to the league. Yeah, you might be a lost cause. I'm going to take it back. You don't just don't <laughs> don't try, Andy. It's just like set back all over again. <laughs> uh, poor oh, Andy. It's... Yeah, I, I got a question <laughs> for you, Brent. So my question for oh hey, uh. What are your thoughts on chicken wings? Happy National Chicken, chicken wings. Wing Day. Hey. You know, I told her about that and she didn't even acknowledge it. Whatever. <laughs> anyway. Double fired. What do I think? What do I think about chicken wings? I think they're, they're, you know, the tendrils of the gods. They're like picking picking the fruit off of Zeus's wiener. I would I can eat chicken wings for every single like, meal. Like we all want to. Yeah, every single meal, um, I often will just skip breakfast so I can justify eating wings for lunch a little bit earlier. I guess it's probably not lunch if it's like 1030, but um, (laughs) spicier the better. Uh, I don't know how else to convey how much I love chicken wings. (laughs) Well, you know what? Let's let's get into some specifics here then, because there's now do you go for baked or fried? Um, I definitely prefer pr- fried, but I've had very good baked wings. I've had very good air fried wings. I've had very good smoked wings, grilled wings. I'm really, I'm not, I'm not a chicken wing purist. It, the best wings I've had have been fried, but if you cook a good chicken wing, then I love you. How do you feel about boneless wings? Um, they're, they're a lesser beast. And I think it's because I've, I don't. I don't really like, you know, it's usually like too much white meat. Because usually the thighs are darker meat and they just are juicier. Um, but yeah, it's just boneless is just usually the shit that I have is just like chicken breast, which is just mm. just gets really dried out really easily if you fry it or if you do anything else with it. And it's not really a wing. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I there's, there's plenty of good boneless or boneless wings usually they're like too heavily breaded um yeah i can definitely see that yeah it's like it's kind of like cheating but also like i'll still eat them still plenty (laughs) of places that i would rather have chicken tenders or chicken strips than their wings because you gotta know what you're doing with wings at the end of the day best wings you've ever had uh duff's up in buffalo i they had we got a bunch of different sauces when we went. One of them was called just the death sauce. 
so we had all the really good sauces and then we had the death sauce and then i was i had to stop and diarrhea at every single hotel uh bathroom on the way back to our hotel because it was so goddamn spicy but the wings themselves were so good like so good oh you heard it it's it's a tmi episode huh no this is good this is good it's another spicy take I, I appreciate it. Yeah, my my ass was a spicy take that day. I'm I'm glad I mark this podcast as explicit. Yeah, I'm glad no one in my family listens to it. It's for the best. This this <laughs> isn't really a podcast as much as it is like a confessional booth. Yeah, this is yeah. just where we where we go to get things off our chest. <laughs> I do feel unburdened. Thank yeah. you for let letting me talk about my explosive diarrhea. And thank you for letting Again. me talk about Half Life Two and how it's garbage. Well, I've also never played Half-Life 2 because every time I've tried to, I was like, this seems like a garbage game. And I <laughs> didn't get it. But I can't say that because I've probably only gotten two hours into it. So, No, you're fine. We're, we're just you're on fine. the fringes, fringes of gaming, aren't we, Andy? You know, this is this thing. And that's One of us complete... better start liking Fortnite. <laughs> hey, I loved Fortnite PvE. Does that count? <laughs> no. I put like 150 hours into that. Nobody even knows the game has a PvE mode. They call it something else now. Yeah, it's Save the World, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I maintain that I may have been one of a dozen people who actually paid for loot boxes in the PvE mode of Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, that was... I, I wear that with pride. Yeah, you shouldn't. There was news... <laughs> <laughs> there was news not long ago about how Rod Ferguson, who used to be one of the executives at Epic... Um, and he moved over to the coalition and they're developing the gears of war games. He said that he, if he was still at Epic, he would have canceled Fortnite. And that's like the whole thing, the whole thing. Yeah. He was like, that's how poor it was just not doing well. Like nobody knew it, knew what to do with it. And then they just shoehorned this battle Royale and last minute as like a last ditch effort to save it. And well, look at them now. What I didn't understand, not to you know try to rewrite the history here, but they they had everyone who was playing the PVE mode on a NDA. You couldn't stream it. You couldn't put up videos about it. You couldn't show it. Like the Fortnite subreddit, the PVE subreddit was just people asking for beta invites because <laughs> you couldn't share anything else. Which I didn't understand at all because it was such it was such a cool game. I wanted to tell everyone about it. But the only way I could show it to people is either have them show up at my house or get them beta access. <laughs> was was that actually legal under the NDA? Like, hey, come watch me play this game, but we cannot talk about it at all. <laughs> Look, I'm going to be playing it in my basement. If you happen to be standing behind me, that's, you know, that's just happenstance. Yeah, I can't. I can't stop you. <laughs> yeah. Ah, well, that, that PVE mode's not coming back. It's never going to get the popularity. It probably is still as popular as it always was, but it's not going to yeah. get the popularity it deserves. <laughs> it probably, it really is like 0.0001% of the population has or ever will play that game, that mode. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a real shame. Hmm. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to wear that with pride. I'm going to keep talking about it until they, I don't know, they bring it back with Paragon. <laughs> no. All right. That's enough of this topic. Yeah, we, we're just, gonna move on. Just trying to make people mad. <laughs> All right, what do we got left? Uh, oh, next, next is uh, our showcase. Our showcase yep. games, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm not missing anything. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Okay, so we're talking about uh, we're talking about Earth Defense Force Five 
and you've got Shadowbringers. Is that the name? Yep. Final Fantasy fourteen Shadowbringers. Right. Well, um, why don't you start? All right. So I'll, I'll introduce you to the game, and uh, then I'll hand it back to you. Um, yeah. So Final Fantasy fourteen Shadowbringers is the third X-Pack to the game Final Fantasy fourteen. We sort of went back and forth as to whether or not to do a X-Pack in this segment, but ultimately decided sort of that, you know, this sort of defines the game decisively for the next two years. It's essentially a sequel in most ways, other than like, you know, completely reinventing everything about the game. But even still, Shadowbringers does a damn good job of reinventing a lot of stuff in the game while still being built on the bones of the previous games. Well, and you said that if I was going to do Earth Defense Force, you could do an ex- an expansion pack. That was your your vehement argument. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get into that later. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So for Final Fantasy fourteen had a hard reboot. Not a hard reboot, a soft reboot. So this is technically the fifth version of the game, even though it's only the third X back. Um, I already, I already have a headache. <laughs> All right, I won't, I won't get into the weeds too much. But I've been playing the game for a long time, and if this was one of the other X packs, I probably would have said, "No, nah, I don't think it's worth covering." But um, Shadowbringers, I think, is worth covering for a lot of reasons that I'll get into. Um, the story is essentially built on the bones of like the characters you used to know, but it's in this completely new world. Um, you're reintroduced to a lot of characters, even though they've they've sort of been teleported to another, I'll, I'll say another dimension um, to save us an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> so they, they basically get transported to another dimension um, all over the course of a few weeks, but time moves differently there, so... By the time you get there, you were you were the primary target, and so they were all a mistake to get teleported to this dimension. As soon as you get there, they've been experiencing their lives for you know three to five years, and you've only been missing them for a couple weeks or a month. So you, there's like really dramatic changes with all the characters. You're introduced to a lot of new characters. One of the things I noticed early on about the story, though, is it takes a lot of story beats from Final Fantasy 15 um okay yeah it was really interesting um the villains are extremely comparable to final fantasy 15 i don't want to get into the details um if you played all of 15 you might see know what i'm talking about if you've also played 14 um and vice versa um but there's really interesting uh story beats in 14 or in 15 that um, sort of were my f- some of my favorite parts of Final Fantasy 15 and 14 reuses a lot of them, <laughs> which is funny because if you were looking at it on paper, you would think 14 came out before 15, but this is an X pack to 14 that came out way after 15 came out. So it might in in a hundred years time when people are looking back, they might be like, what the fuck is this dude talking about? It doesn't make any sense. That's what happened. <laughs> um, one of the things that this game also did was just made dramatic changes to combat every single class. And this is a this is an MMORPG where there's dozens of classes. Um, you have like 
21 combat classes, something like 11 non-combat classes. I think it's even more than that. Um, I, I remember looking up the number in preparation for this and then didn't write it down. So it's like roughly 37, I think it was, classes altogether. One of the most interesting things about the game is you can switch between any of the classes at any given time. If uh, you're one of the 10 million people that played World of Warcraft, you'll know that you couldn't do that in World of Warcraft. You had to create a whole new character. Um, Final Fantasy XIV, one of my favorite things about the game was that everything that I've worked so hard to use, if I wanted to just play a different class, I didn't have to create a whole new character. I still had all the stuff I had been working with and working for and all the quests I'd done. And I could then just say, hey, I don't want, I don't want to be a Dragoon today. I want to be a Dark Knight or a Paladin or something like that. And I'm going to play that for six hours. Then when I get bored of that, it's like, I'm going to go back to the main class that I play. Um, so that's one of the things that keeps me coming back to the game. But yeah, as far as an overview goes, that's pretty much it. Um, it, it would have been easier a long time ago to, to compare this game to World of Warcraft. But I think it does so many things better than world of warcraft at this point in time um i think if anything it still pales a little bit to wow in is the combat there's there's something really like thuggish and exciting about world of warcraft's combat but final fantasy 14 is combat's a little bit slower and meticulous and it's uh dependent on you know server timers and you know a good connection which could very easily scare a lot of people off yeah um yeah but i'll I'll leave it at that for an overview and uh i'll let you do the overview for earth defense force so earth defense force answers the question of what if dynasty warriors but starship troopers and (laughs) it answers it in a way that you'd feel like you asked the question on a Friday with the assignment due on Monday and the developers at whatever company that made it, I want to say Camelot, but I don't think it's Camelot, but I think it might be Camelot. We'll say it's Camelot. The developers at Camelot realized that around 11 PM on Sunday, shit, we forgot to make that game that we were supposed to make. (laughs) Um, But in the end, what you've got is not, my type of last minute project where I show up and I try to think of some way that I can just do a book report based on what I know from the back of the book. But one of those funny, cool, smart kids who didn't do the book report, but also got up there and was real clever about it and was like kind of joking around and sass backing the teacher and everyone got a lot bunch of laughs. That's the kind of game <laughs> this is. <laughs> it's a very belabored analogy. <laughs> but I'm trying to get a. You were a 4.0 student, weren't you? <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, 4.0 spread across all four years. If you added it all up, I might have a 4.0, uh, like a 1.2, 1.01. That's when Andy's employers discovered he never graduated high school. <laughs> and you definitely need to for the work that I'm in. <laughs> no comment. The general premise of Earth Defense Force is the same as it has been in every story, because I'm fairly certain. Every game in this series is the plot is unrelated to every other game. They just tell the same story over and over again, which is one day Earth was invaded by bugs from space. You can go from there. (laughs) Spoilers, we fight them and we may or may not win in the end. Question, have they tried just working with the giant alien ants? Now, the thing about what you're describing is that the you're you're assuming that the AI for these ants 
is in any way developed or intelligent. <laughs> These are very base so level. There's no deep dialogue trees with giant ants? <laughs> no. <laughs> there's... Who's this game for, Andy? I will tell you, this game does a very good job telling its story. What little of it there is while you're playing the game as people around you and newscasts just shout at you through your comms. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's a much better much better way of telling the story than it than something like Half-Life 2 with its garbage story no one cares about. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm going to just triple down You're on taking this. Taking a firm stance. <laughs> Half-Life 2 is basically as good as Redneck Rampage. It's that level of FPS. Like maybe you play it as a joke to show your friends cuz it's kind of dumb, but like no one would play it seriously. <laughs> No one would seriously sit down and be like, ha- Redneck Rampage has some of the most engaging. It's one of the most innovative shooters that ever came out. It's got one of the most memorable stories. I can't wait for Redneck Rampage 3. I really hope they make it. No one cares. Earth Defense Force, though. So glad they made Earth Defense Force 5. It's basically just, if you played Earth Defense Force 4.1, it's just kind of like a quality of life upgrade on that with more nonsense. This whole episode's going to be on the front page of shitty gamer takes. This that's that's what I'm going for. This is this whole thing, <laughs> and I want to make very clear that these are all real takes. <laughs> I don't want anyone thinking that I'm be that I'm exaggerating for the for the sake of humor, or to get us like hate clicks. I'm just throwing out there that Redneck Rampage is better in every way that you can measure a shooter or a game than Half Life Two objectively and any reviewer that gate that doesn't agree with me is on the pay of valve i'm stating that <laughs> as fact that is not opinion <laughs> that is a fact that i'm stating right now this episode. <laughs> we've jumped the shark now boys game off podcast is canceled <laughs> due to the assassinations of both hosts <laughs> <laughs> back, back, right. to Earth, e- back to Earth Defense Force. You pick one of four classes. You can be a soldier, a anime girl with a jetpack that flies around and shoots lasers, uh, a guy that calls in airstrikes, or a guy in a small mech suit that runs really slowly. And you choose those classes, and you pick. You say start next mission, and you get into that mission, and you shoot bugs, and then they tell you when you're done. And that's the general right. gameplay loop. You unlock new weapons, you upgrade weapons by picking up weapon crates and armor crates uh, as you're running around. You shoot stuff and they drop, you shoot the bugs and they drop weapons and, and armor and you pick them up. And that's great. The armor just kind of like upgrades your max health. Uh, and other than that, though, it just is a game that consistently escalates in spectacle and insanity. Um, it, almost like a bad horror movie franchise where you've got like Final Destination up to the point where Final Destination 5 is takes place entirely on a roller coaster in 3D. Like it's just a steady increase in nonsense. Completely unbelievable, unexplained, poorly written nonsense by the end of the game. And that's Defense Force 5. Which which one is this? I feel like five of these come out every year. But I could be wrong. Oh no this is... this comes out every there's new one of these like every three years. Oh okay. Yeah, it's. Is it just called Earth Defense Force? Period. Yeah. The, well, this is Earth Defense Force Five. The last one that came out for PC was Earth Defense Force Four Point One, of course, and then before that was okay. Earth Defense Force Twenty Thirteen. 
or 2020. Yeah. Oh, it might have been Earth Defense Force 2025, which came out in 2013. Okay. Yeah, it's they've been, they've been putting these out for a while. I think the first one came out on Xbox and PS2. There may have been a, a Vita release at some point as well. Ooh. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's been around, but it, it's uh, I've bought everyone that came out for a system that I could possibly own. If I you know when I owned a 360, I bought the ones for 360. I bought the ones for Steam. It's a series. Like Dynasty Warriors, although not so much recently, but like Dynasty Warriors prior to a few years ago, where I will consistently subscribe to their nonsense. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of franchises I do that for, too. Yeah. So I feel you. Yeah. What would you say was the definitive mechanic of the game? Gameplay or otherwise? So, hmm. It's tough, because the basic mechanic is shoot bugs till they die. And then... You know, all well, that's not a mechanic at it's all. It's not. All problems are solved by shooting them more. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think where the game, what defines this game for me, outside of just its general bizarre premise, is its writing. And the writing, I don't know if it's a if how much of it's intentional, how much of it is poor localization, how much of it is just written on cocaine. It's, <laughs> uh, for example couple levels in they introduce spiders giant spiders that jump around and shoot web at you you know little little web like they're spider-man and it slows you down right fairly obvious for a game with giant insects um mm-hmm. they never refer to the aliens as giant insects even though they're all giant insects they call them monsters they refer to the spiders as the monsters that shoot threads <laughs> i don't know why they won't they won't say spider. They won't say it looks like a spider. At some point, they say they say, are right, we gotta give these things names? And the, the commander comes on and says, We will now be referring to the first monster, which was the ants, as Monster Alpha, and the second monster, which is spiders, as Bravos. I d I don't uh, know why. <laughs> yeah, why do why do games feel like they have to do that? It, it doesn't make any sense. Every single time a new monster bug is introduced, they refuse to refer to it by the name of the bug that it's supposed to look like. <laughs> they just won't do it. They're, at some point, they introduce these giant three-legged walker robots, which they call Delroys. No explanation as to what that means. They just start referring to them as Delroys. <laughs> this definitely sounds Japanese. You're, you're playing through the game and people around you, like the other soldiers that are around you, start shouting out about who could have created a weapon like this. What country might they be from? Even though it's been very clearly established that these are aliens coming from space. You can see spaceships coming down from like these are spaceships. <laughs> these are aliens. What country has Andy, the what country has these? <laughs> 15, 20 levels. You mean these are aliens? Yes, these are aliens. It's been established they're aliens. <laughs> it's it's infuriating in the best possible way because you're playing a game where everyone in the world is an idiot. God. <laughs> and they just everything they say is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It's it shows them like 37 steps behind in their thinking. It's incredible. It, it it's it's like playing a train wreck. 
I cannot. Games keep coming up. (laughs) Because they're perfect. This (laughs) the writing is so stupid and so bad and so nonsensical that it's infallible. You can't tear it down because it's. There's a there's a quote from King of the Hill. Where, he, where Hank's talking about his, about Bobby, and he's talking, saying that he's basically mud. You can't build it up. You can't build him up, but you can't tear him down either. You hit mud, it just stays mud. You can't do anything to it. <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's what a defense force is. It's just mud. A lovely thing to say about your son. <laughs> and he was saying, that I live in Texas. I really got to rewatch that episode it, or that show it, entirely. It's great, and I'm sure it'll mean even more to you now. But yeah, this is uh that's what this is. Yeah. This is a game that is just untouchable. This is mud. In its stupidity. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh. I'm glad it exists. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the definitive mechanic of Shadowbringers? <laughs> well, so something that I consider to be a, a high quality trait of the game is that it actually all of the boss fights feel really well designed and thought out and um, orchestrated and well produced. Every, everything that you can think of that would go into a very good MMO boss fight, this game nails it throughout the main story and beyond. There's now bonus content in the game. Um, for context, I've played all of the main story. Um, all of the normal raids. I've done everything possible that is out in the game now as far as combat goes. Oh, wow. Um, and so in, I can certify that I've enjoyed all of the combat content. Enjoyed it, and I, I appreciate that it's well produced. <laughs> Brent certified. <laughs> I enjoyed this. I know. It's like, it, it's just, it was just really uncanny. Every time I got... I did like one of the the dungeons. Um, you you basically face a story boss at all the right times. Basically, in the world, there were a bunch of light wardens that were sort of. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it real simple. They were capturing all of the darkness. Oh no! And so you have to be, become the warrior of darkness, contrary to everything that you've done prior to this X pack, since you were literally the warrior of light. You go to this realm where light is actually a bad thing and it's consuming the planet. And if there's too much or this entire dimension, and if there's too much light, then it's going to overflow into the normal dimension that you're from and uh-huh. bring about ba- basically an apocalypse. So, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I know everyone understood. No, that, that, um, that follows. Okay, so uh, you, you fight all of the things that are sort of capturing the darkness that would bring balance back to this dimension. Um, and every time you fight one, it's it's they're, they're at, at a pretty regular basis. Um, I'm going to actually segue this into best moment um, because it sort of goes ties in with this a little bit. Um, but basically, they did a fantastic job of boss designs for the four mans, for the eight man dungeons, the later dungeons after the, after the end of the game, the final boss fight. Was very very pleased. There's a certain amount of challenge. You feel like you're doing a lot to stay alive without it being too difficult, where you're wiping constantly. 
I don't think I died much throughout the content. I definitely died a few times along with like my parties of three other real life people. Um, so were you playing most of this with a, other people with, with a party of real people? Yeah. Real people, usually randos sometimes with my friends, depending on whether we synced up within the leveling process or not. They did just add a mechanic in the game where you can run dungeons um, in this X pack with NPCs. So you don't have to have friends. You can just level up your NPCs and go buck wild there. Some people say certain dungeons are better with NPCs than they are with real people. Um, I have a hard time believing that, but, you know, remains to be seen. That is one thing I didn't use at all, just because, I don't know. I don't know. It didn't seem that interesting of a mechanic. I I have always liked that I'm playing with real people. Sometimes you get really, real derp mcgurps. Sometimes you get really good players. It's all just sort of part of the fun of the game. Um, but that was definitely the definitive gameplay mechanics were just how frantic all of the boss fights were while still being um, reasonable to down. Um, I will say that the best moment in the game was the first time you defeat one of these light wardens and you, you sort of get the impression that you're facing sort of insurmountable odds in trying to get darkness back into the world. And they sort of contrive the first boss fight, even though it's at the end of a dungeon, it's sort of sprung on you a bit. Okay. Whereas the other ones are paced a bit, bit more. So you're like, Oh shit. I never thought like I'd make any difference in this world. Everything's felt so hopeless. And you get sort of raided by one of these light wardens and you get to fight them and you bring back darkness to just one of the areas in this world. And it's like, Oh, Holy crap. And you get like, they really sort of deep dive on how, what it was like for all of these people in this realm for the last hundred years to not, to have nothing but light all the time. And this light is sort of a symbol of oppression and then you have to, like part of the quests after the dungeons really are just walk around and talk to people who get to see like the night sky for the first time in their lives. That's a and really interesting kind of inversion of that story. And that those yeah, story yeah, tropes. It is. It's it's hard to sort of turn your brain around to it a lot because a lot of it's just I have to take this with a grain of salt. It is, sounds like nonsense. <laughs> There's a lot of things from the older games that don't really add up with that storyline, but it still plays out really well. Um, whether it's, whether it's all nonsense or not is <laughs> remains to be said or debated, but it, it plays out really well. Um, that, like I said, the first, the best moment to me was definitely when you're just experiencing all of these different dialogues, with people that just cannot believe their eyes. And they're like, wow, this is what this looks like. I cannot believe this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's not too far into the X-Pack, but it is a little bit of a spoiler. A little late to call that out. Anyway, <laughs> I will hand it back off to you for um, best moment. Oh, gosh. You know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint a best moment because the game is both full of incredible moments, but also extremely homogenous. In that you're just, it's kind of just jump and shoot and keep shooting at things till they die. Yeah. It can it can be a personal moment too. Yeah, like you and there, whoever were playing and there's a there was a moment when they first introduced the thirty foot tall frog demons that attack you, 
and they're these frog demons. Yeah, they're these thirty foot tall frogs that are carrying huge laser rifles and actually will <laughs> run what? and take cover behind buildings. They're walking upright, kind of like wild. like Mr. Toad in um you know, Mr. Toad of Toad Hollow there or Toad Hall. And they like these I don't know, and I didn't explain this. The the buildings are actually destructible, which I think is is helped by the fact that the the graphics are garbage and the engine is really rudimentary. <laughs> but you have these huge environments. These levels are huge, and you get these re- this real sense of scale as you're fighting. Most of the things that you fight are three to five times your own size, and there's fifty of them in front of you at a time. So you feel tiny as you're shooting these aliens and once they die, their bodies just become extremely lightweight ragdolls. So hmm. you, you know, you fire a rocket into a group of enemies and bodies fly everywhere. They, <laughs> they gib very nicely. Uh, rockets and other explosions will knock down buildings. So you'll be in the, in the middle of this huge firefight. And then when it's over, you look around and half of the city is gone. Just flat leveled areas because everything exploded. <laughs> there you'll be fighting the... it doesn't matter because there's only like four humans left on the planet right? oh yeah yeah the, every mission is you and like three dudes trying to save <laughs> trying to save this entire city and doing a very poor job of it uh, the <laughs> the the scale I think in general are these is kind of like the best moments are these moments where you really get this feeling of uh, the amount and size of things there are these drop ships that fly overhead and you start dropping ants and other creatures on you and you shoot them down and they just slowly come crashing to the ground, kind of like in a very less nice looking way. That trailer for Force Unleashed, where he pulls down the Star Destroyer. Remember that mm. trailer from years ago? Oh, I sure do. It's like that. But if that looked much worse, uh, just visually, <laughs> like if the fidelity and the textures and polygon count was much lower. But Sign me up. This huge ship just falls down around you. A ship that would take you like five or six seconds to run from one end to the other. Mm. And there's 20 of them that you have to shoot down in this level that will just come crashing down around you. Everything feels really big. And also like it's made of cardboard the second that it dies. Because everything just becomes, you know, (laughs) ragdollized and lightweight. But these... These giant frogmen whose limbs you shoot off to try and stop them from attacking you and if you don't kill them fast enough their limbs grow back and they just start attacking you again somehow if you shoot oh off their gun arm it grows back with the gun that they're holding i don't really understand it it's fine don't worry about it but as <laughs> when they first show up and they're like running and diving behind buildings and using buildings as cover one of the men on the in the intercom or the comms channel says and refers to them as humanoid, and they look just like us. And it's these, <laughs> just these 30-foot-tall frogs in armor with giant laser rifles, diving and exploding everywhere. no mirrors. <laughs> just, they look just like us. I don't know if I can shoot it. <laughs> it's every time something incredible happens in that game, it's punctuated by someone in the game saying the dumbest thing imaginable. 
This really just sounds like a Sega Saturn game. It, well, it feels and it has that feel of like Starship Troopers, where you have these moments of really cool action, and then Casper Van Dien saying some of the dumbest lines ever written, <laughs> but saying it like completely authentically, like he believes it. Acting. Yeah, that's what it is. It's it's amazing, horrible acting from from them, and the the feeling of they have missions where you're seeing invasions coming from the beach and just all of these things coming from the water onto the beach and you're with like a whole line of artillery firing on them and it's just huge explosions and then there's just more coming and more coming as things are dying and bodies are ragdolling everywhere it yeah it's very impressive in a very stupid way so that's that's what I would put as the, the best moment of that game is any time they introduce anything new. Why don't you segue that into the worst design choice in the game? It is horribly balanced for difficulty. You will have a run of three or four levels that you breeze through and feel like a god just running around with some sort of weird laser shotgun exploding ants into the sky and shooting down <laughs> ships and drones, and then they'll introduce a new enemy to you, and it will outclass you so badly. You will have nothing. You will be attacking it, and because you don't get really much visual indicator of how much health something has left, it's almost kind of like, <laughs> not to put it on the same level, but it's kind of like Monster Hunter, where after a while, they look, you know, there's some visual damage on them, but that's when you get to like, 30% health remaining. Yeah. It's it's similar to that, where you'll be shooting something for a while, and you're like, where, where is this? Is this going to die? And you'll go through four or five levels of real easy, and then you'll pay, play a fifth level that's replay it five or six times before you can get through it. Thankfully, the stuff you pick up, you pick up a bunch of weapons and armor, you die, you keep like 60 or 70% of it. Even though you died and you start when you started again, you've got that in a slightly higher armor, slightly better weapons. In previous versions of the in previous editions of the game, you lost everything when you died. Hmm. So you made no forward progression, which was extremely frustrating. And now it's only mildly frustrating. Yeah. But it, no, that's that's always a good design choice, I think. <laughs> the uh the, the the yeah, the balancing is I'd say the worst part of it. And also actually just there are some classes that are impossible to play if you're not playing with a group. You can't play as the mech guy. He moves too slow. He, oh. He's just impossible to play on your own. I'm sure that there's someone out there who's played through it and speedrun it. Speedrun it? Done it real fast. Really? Did a good job of it. And he's going to tell me that I'm, you know, oh, you're an idiot. You can beat the game as fencer super easy. But, like, it's super hard. He moves so slow. And he takes a while to reload. He's really cool because you got two like Gatling gun arms. But yeah, what about you? <laughs> what would you say is the worst design choice in Shadowbringers? Let's see. Um, well, I, I definitely mentioned the cutscenes earlier. That was one of the things that's plagued the game for a long time, in my opinion. Um, but I think that in this game they did a lot of splitting of the zones. So in this game, you sort of have to earn the ability to fly around um, and make movement a lot more easy breezy. Um, 
But in this game, there's a few zones that you have to go to early on and then leave and then come back to way later. So you, you sort of are punished for no reason. <laughs> you have to basically go through these zones twice and just not have the ability to tra- traverse a lot of the land. Oh. Um, it's it's really frustrating. It's it's probably more of a gripe with this game than design choice because they, they really wanted you to... If, they seem to have wanted you to feel like the game may have been bigger than it, it is. Um, and it's still a damn big game. There are these six new zones, and they are quite bloody large. Um, but the, with that comes the lack of... When you, when you have no ability to traverse them quickly, it's really taxing. So you can see... If you have a high-resolution monitor, you can usually see a pretty good amount. You can be like, wow, this is beautiful. I can't wait till I can fly around it. And then that flight always comes like way too late. It's like, wow, I've been on the fucking ground moving real slow for a goddamn long time. And I'm not happy about it. You know what? Actually, this reminded me. I'd completely forgotten about this. This, that sort of leads me into what's really the worst design choice. Oh, fake out. the fact that you have to earn mount speed in this X-Pack. Not you get bonus mount speed. You start off slower than average on your mount in each of the zones. Um, slower than anywhere else by default. And you have to do fates, which are just sort of like emergent events. Emergence probably an exaggeration. Randomly spawning events on the map. And you have to do a certain amount of those and you have to buy the ability to make your mount fast enough to become the same speed as the default speed in any other zone. That's, I was just listening to someone, I don't remember who it was talking on a podcast about games that do that, where like the first X levels of skills that you unlock are just getting you to where you should have been when you started the game. Yeah, it's, it, <sighs> I don't know, like, it, it was interesting that they added more stuff to do, because with that came the ability, or the shared fates mechanic, where you have to do a certain amount of fates to buy stuff, but that's not really a mechanic, that's just them, like, putting a different kind of checklist in the game, and then also gating, you know, your your basic functionality behind it. So, needless to say, was not thrilled with that at all. And with that, I, I'm not going to belay the point. I don't know why the fuck they did that. And I'm going <laughs> to hand it over to you for. Uh, oh, who's this game for, Andy? Who's Earth Defense Force for? Oh, now, this is a tough one. Um, in reality, no one, because it has so many problems with it. There's, you know, the problems of balancing. There's really weird progression. There's a manual in in the menus of the game that you have to read to understand how the leveling of weapons works. There's still some aspects of it I don't understand as far as like how your yeah I mean, with the, the the leveling of weapons there are stars but also levels and I don't know what the level means in in reference to the star and sometimes the stars are filled in and I read about it and I still don't understand it. So yeah, I mean, that's even, I'd say, even worse than, like, the kind of codex stuff we were talking about earlier. But 
also like Miami Connection or like, you know, maybe not even Miami Connection. Miami Connection's a bad example. This is more like Con Air, where I don't know who I would recommend Con Air to as a general group. I can think of specific people in my life that I would recommend Earth Defense Force to. People who I'm I'm fairly certain would get the unintentional or possibly intentional, I'm still not 100% sure, uh, humor of the game and would be able to appreciate it for all of its faults. But <laughs> much like Con Air, it's, you really need to go in there understanding you're about to watch Con Air. Look at Nicolas Cage's ridiculously long hair. Know what you're getting into. Do you buy John Cusack as a violent murderer? I don't. Like that, you need to go in there with that mindset. And I, I think Earth Defense Force could work, but you need to couch it in things. I I don't think there's really any group of people or, or type of person you can hand Earth Defense Force to sight unseen and say, play this and you'll like it. I think it kind of requires an explanation as to what you're going to play. That's that's fair because I've seen when I see this cover on shelves, I always think, "Who the fuck is this game for?" Because it's not for me. It, it's it's not for anyone, which which is almost how the game feels like it was made, like it was made with no one in mind. <laughs> just just a somebody read a middle schooler's notebook and was like, oh shit, we can make that game. Yeah, what if then then the spiders yeah. came out and the spider shoots web at you, but then a giant robot comes down and the robot's got three legs, each part of the leg shoots lasers out of it and sometimes the lasers also <laughs> shoot missiles with missiles go really slow so they kind of creep up on you like the Jaws shark. Like that's, yeah, it's that. It's it's a hyperactive nine-year-old or middle schooler describing what his what his ultimate game would be and then the <laughs> d- developers at, I keep wanting to say Camelot, but I don't think it's right, um, I, I don't think it's right either. <laughs> I, but I don't know what the company made this game. Sandlot. Sandlot. Thank you. Okay, so I was close. Camelot are the ones who make Mario uh, Mario Golf. They make much better games. Yeah, and, yeah, and Golden Sun. And Golden literally S- my favorite game. That's why I was like, that's not right. That's not right at all. Sandlot. Sandlot. Okay. Makes a lot more sense. Um, you know what? I would recommend this game in the same way that you would recommend the movie The Sandlot. To people who have already seen the Sandlot, <laughs> there are new, no new Sandlot fans. No, and there will never be new EDF fans. If you if you played EDF or watched the Sandlot when you were young and you enjoyed it, then you will continue to enjoy it. Well, there you have it, folks. If you've watched the Sandlot, this game might be for you. <laughs> if you liked the Sandlot, oh, fair. Yeah, plenty of people have seen the Sandlot. Usually, people that didn't like the Sandlot just keep their mouth shut because they know better. So yeah, people that like the Sandlot really like the Sandlot. Oh man, I only remember the big dog and then that kid tricking a woman into making out with him. <laughs> yeah, I remember the the chubby kid from Mighty Ducks is in that, right? Oh yes, yeah, he is. Yeah, that's that's about all I remember. Mm. <laughs> Who would you recommend Shadowbringers to? Uh, yeah, so Shadowbringers is a real good game for casual gamers that like a lot of options in how they want to play a game, um, or hardcore gamers that um, 
like to come in occasionally to some really hard content. Um, I don't think there's a good churn of hardcore content in the game. It's always been like its problem. And even now it's going to take like a full month after release for the end game stuff to be out or the, the, the hardcore end game stuff. But I, I don't play MMOs hardcore anymore. So I like this game for its casual aspect. Big reason why I stopped playing WoW is that it's not very casual friendly in the same regards. People say all the time that WoW is a casual game, but I say yeah. ironically because <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's it's overly simplified now, but like that's that's a problem, not not a boon for it. Anyway, yeah, casual gamers can find a ton to do in the game. They never need to feel like they need to know the ins and outs of the game. Like they're not. I, I'm over here somehow staring at spreadsheets trying to optimize my rotation while not being hardcore. So there's there's a little something for everyone in this game. Um, uh, but obviously you have to, to that degree, you have to sort of like the MMO structure, which isn't necessarily like high octane, you know, emergent or not emergent, uh, immersive experience. You're playing like really far pulled back. You're pushing buttons like once every two and a half seconds. Um, so... If if you're you don't need a high octane game, then this is and you you don't mind games that take a long time to go through. So they, like I said, there's now five patch levels worth of content at this point, and this game might be for you. But it's it might be a little bit jarring going through all the different expects and the stories and how they kind of only loosely relate. Um, it might even be worth it for paying to get up to like the Shadowbringers tier. I think some of the the versions of it come with a version that just boosts you all the way up to that level. Oh wow! But you know that's for you to decide. I I would say it's easy enough to go through the content and now, um, even though some of the story might not land anymore. But I I would recommend going through as much as possible of it. Does does it have a monthly fee like WoW or is it just buy the game and you're done? Yes. No, it's a lower monthly fee. Um, it's thirteen a month. Okay. Um, but yeah, th- there's a monthly fee, so that should definitely be noted. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, um, I just the X pack. I think it's thirty bucks. Oh, okay. So it's thirty bucks, and then do you get like a month free with it or anything like that when you buy? Uh, usually, if you if you buy the starter edition, I think it comes with all of the the base game and all the X packs up to Shadowbringers, and that should come with uh, a month to play. So. You know, and that goes on sale for like 15 bucks sometimes. So you can pretty cheaply get an idea of whether you want to invest a lot of time in this. They also do free weekends from time to time where you can just play the whole game for free. Oh, nice. Um, trying not to advocate for the game, um, but <laughs> I, I think I think if, if you like MMOs like I do, there's a lot there for you. That being said, usually I find that there's a content drought and I can't say this about Shadowbringers because we're talking about Shadowbringers explicitly. But if we were talking about recommendations, I would say that there's usually a content drought that drives me away from the game. Sometimes like two to three months after an X-Pack's released. And then from there, I'll basically only play when there's a new patch out for about a month. And then I'll, the cycle will continue. So, but even then, that's still a lot of game time I put into this, these games. Hmm. Yeah, it just seems like you get a lot of content out of it. How long would you say... Shadowbringers is. If you were going to do just the story, let me do some hard math. 
mean, not, not that I want to, you know, advocate the games are only worth based on how long they are, but I feel like with something that you're paying monthly for, that kind of comes more into into account. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think if you were to just rush the story, you would get 50 hours out of it if you just wanted to experience the story. But I'm still actively playing the game. I started playing it on a few days before release day through early access. I had been playing nothing but that for three weeks. Um, and I'm still playing that about 50% of my spare game time. Oh, nice. Between that and other games for that we're going to do in the future for the show. Um, so I've gotten a lot of value out of it. So if, if you're someone that also forgets to unsub, it might not be a good game for you <laughs> if you think you're only going to play it for a few months. But I will also unsub when I feel like I've had enough of the game. So I'm only playing for the game time that I'm actually using. Right. That makes and sense. I would always recommend that for any human to be wise with their money. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with, with a game like that where you can just lose track of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's, that's all of our topics. Now we just got to rank the games, bro. Oh yeah. The, the rankings. Okay. Well, I, so I feel like you're not going to let me put King, uh, Earth Defense Force at spot zero, which is disappointing. <laughs> Well, so here's something that we could probably discuss on air. Okay. I, I was curious. I was looking up the franchise, and this came out in North America technically in December of 2018. So Did it? it because yeah, I think it only just came out for PC like yeah. a week or two ago. Yeah, on PS4 in 2018. Oh, um, no. So... By our own standards, it gets disqualified for that point. Oh, DQ, no! I didn't no. know how to bring it up in the, in the middle of the episode. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> I wouldn't... didn't want to take the wind out of your sails. Right, you just wanted to wait until the end. <laughs> Still do it on air. <laughs> oh! Well, then it, if we didn't, then we have to, like, issue an apology next week and all this stuff. Oh! I don't know. There was, there was no good scenario. I need to go back. The worst moment of Earth Defense Force was when Brent stabbed me and twisted the knife by telling me it doesn't even qualify for the 2019 stand. All right, you know what? I, I, I just I had fun listening to you ramble about Earth Defense Force. I want to put it off to the side with an asterisk. It's just an also ram. Yeah, why don't why don't we rank it and then say this doesn't qualify for the end of the year no, we, we, because it didn't come out this year. I want to I want to put it on a separate list of games that also ran this year and it takes all the spots and we'll just leave it there <laughs> where would you put Shadowbringers? Oh, it's interesting so i'm trying to be unbiased about this and look at it from the grander scheme and i really like the direction and the story and what they did with the game that being said i don't think it deserves to com- compete with any games that really executed on a really fresh set of ideas. So I would probably put this below Sekiro, maybe below Yoshi's Crafted World. What's your take on Yoshi's Crafted World versus Shadowbringer? I mean, the the one thing I would say with Yoshi's Crafted World is that my, my defense of it would be, in defense of its position, is that it doesn't strive for a lot but much like so many of the other first party games it does it it it, it hits its mandate perfectly 
I really, hmm. you know, looking back on it, I still don't really have any issues with that game. It's not the most expansive, most amazing experience, yeah. but it hit every mark that it was supposed to. Okay. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to say below Yoshi's Crafted World then. So that's going to put this at number six on the rankings. <laughs> Poor Division 2 just keeps working its way down. <laughs> yeah, that's... Well, now we have an uneven amount of games, too. Not that that does the division any favors. <laughs> Unlucky number 13 at this point. Uh, don't worry, I'll I'll yes. screw up and, and pick a wrong game again at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> um, just because we haven't posted this anywhere, I'll do a quick read-off. So far, we've got in first Kingdom Hearts 3, Devil May Cry 5, Superlands, Sekiro, Yoshi's Crafted World, Bloodstained, Anthem, Void Bastards, Far Cry New Dawn, Crackdown 3, <sighs> Apex Legends and the Division 2 in dead last. Um, yeah, so there, there's your current rankings. Um, maybe we'll find a better way to distribute that in the future. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, I, I was wondering that as we were looking at it, or as we were just talking about it now. I, I There's got to be some good way to get that out there without spoiling it for everyone. Yeah, we'll figure that out. Okay, it leaves us to thank our producer Delta for her first and last episode with us. Um Best of luck to you and all your future endeavors. Don't use this as a reference. Yes, indeed. And uh, be sure to follow us on everything possible. Yeah. At Game Off Podcast on everything. There might be a couple things where we're at Game Off from very early on, but it should be mostly at Game Off Podcast or, uh, you know, SoundCloud.com slash Game Off Podcast, uh, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right, guys, I've been Arcadia Brent, a.k.a. Arcadia. I, I, <laughs> what am I doing? Go on. I've been Andy, a.k.a. Song Talker, a.k.a. Andy. Thanks for joining us <laughs> this week. All right. Goodbye. Bye.